United Nations, new United Nations report is out and it's even worse, even worse than previously thought. A new United Nations report paints a bleak picture. The commitment countries pledged to limit the climate crisis are nowhere near enough to stave off record high temperatures. Delaying change any further will make it impossible to reach desired temperature goals. The time for, quote, rapid and transformational change to limit global warming is now, the report says. The U.S. The UN Environment Program 2019 Emissions Gap Report calls on countries to strengthen the commitments made in the 2015 Paris Agreement to stall climate change. Current measures will not keep global temperature increases within the 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius range. Quote, a safe level to which temperatures could rise and not cause devastation, though though 1.5 degrees is preferable, according to the report issued Tuesday. Uh, I disagree with that. I don't think it's preferable. I think it's necessary to hit that 1.5 million, uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius. Greenhouse gases reached a record high in 2018 and show no sign of peaking, According to a World Meteorological Organization report Monday, carbon dioxide levels reached 407.8 parts per million, a unit used to measure the level of contaminant in the air. At the current rate, temperatures are expected to rise 3.2 degrees Celsius by 2100, the UNEP report states. Let me say that again. 3.2 degrees Celsius in 81 years. Most of us will be dead. The changes the UNEP suggests are extreme. To get Earth back on track to the 1.5 degree goal, countries must multiply their commitment level or the level at which they pledge to reduce their emissions five times the current rates outlined in the Paris Accords. That means global greenhouse gas emissions must fall at least 7.6% every year to remove 32 gigatons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. This is a... I mean, I I don't know what adjective would describe this um, adequately. This is a catastrophe of epic proportions. This is a catastrophe that, for the most part, uh, there is pretty much very few proposals that meet uh, the needs and the goals uh, for reaching that 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, I would put Bernie Sanders... Uh, proposal up there, number one. Um, I think the Green New Deal is right there with it. it you know, Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal and Bernie's, you know, kind of have slight differences, but for the most part, the same. Um, everything else that I have seen and read is completely inadequate and relies on this mythical um, public-private partnership that has worked out so, so well for the United Corporations of America over the years. You know, Bill Clinton ushered in public-private partnerships. Uh, then, with the advent of social media, we have nonstop public-private partnerships with, you know, the government and Facebook, the government and Amazon, the government and Twitter, the government and this tech company. You know, doing good all around the world, these public-private partnerships uh, like that. The, the, the theft of all of your money to the top 1%. Uh, and frankly, Elizabeth Warren's climate crisis plan, uh, Buttigieg, Biden, they're all kind of another degree of the same problem. Um, 
it is a lot of public-private partnerships, a lot of reliance on businesses to be good global citizens and realize uh, the crisis we're in. Whereas Bernie Sanders is doing what FDR did. He's saying, no, no, we're not waiting for the corporate Goliaths. We're not waiting for the corporate vultures to do the right thing. The government is going to step in and save the planet. It's not a choice. It's, it's, a, ne- it's, it's a necessity, right? It's a necessity to lower the global temperature, to drastically reduce carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, not just carbon dioxide, but methane. As far as I know, only Bernie Sanders, Tulsi Gabbard, Elizabeth Warren has given lip service to it, but on her website, it's, there's no call for a ban on fracking. You talk to Josh Fox, you talk to other environmental uh, experts and advocates, you cannot put a real dent in the climate crisis without <laughs> banning fracking. And this is why I say, you know, some of you don't agree, uh, but this is why I'm not fooling around uh, this go around. I don't think we have the luxury of saying, you know what, our candidate, if it's not Bernie, to hell with it. I'd rather four more years of Trump. This, the worsening of the conditions to the point where the United Nations is saying, uh, like, right now, drastic change needs to be taken or we're screwed. It does coincide with Trump. It does coincide with the environmental axaw machete he has taken <laughs> between expanding fracking, expanding drilling, redu- um, repealing clean water laws, increasing mining, trying to drill on Native American reservations. Donald Trump elected for another four years. This is not an endorsement of Elizabeth Warren, for sure. Donald Trump elected for another four years. You could forget about, you know, arguments between the progressive left and the neoliberal center. Those arguments will cede to exist because the only argument is going to be, what are we going to do with all these climate refugees hoarding to safe ground, temporary safe ground? And what are we going to do to save the planet? You're going to have mass uh, death. You're going to have mass refugees across the world. Mass flooding drought in in other areas so you know i'm 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 pushing bernie i want bernie to be the nominee but if not i don't personally think looking at this i don't know any objective person who's not um i don't know any objective person who is not running on just pure um blinders that could say it's acceptable to give donald trump four more years in control of in the america's environment because america you cannot put a, a serious dent in cli- in climate crisis and global warming and the carbon dioxide emissions without America because the Pentagon is the biggest, the biggest source of carbon dioxide and climate crisis on planet Earth is our Pentagon. Honestly, I think this is what makes Bernie's um, campaign and plan even stronger because in the last few weeks, his campaign has really zeroed in and focused on his Green New Deal plan, specifically in Iowa. I mean, Iowa has been really, really hurt uh, by the extreme weather of 2019. There's farmers and, and croppers that their whole crop is destroyed, but still by the flooding. 
Uh, so that is a big, big issue in uh, Iowa, and it's going to be a big issue in other places. And not only does the Green New Deal poll uh, extremely high, even though the corporate media doesn't talk about it, but Bernie Sanders, go down the list. And a lot of these polls, he is trusted number one on health care. He is also trusted number one on climate change. So I think, I think, um, obviously this is bigger than politics. The United Nations is saying if we don't act like this minute, um, we're screwed. But I think this gives him an opportunity to say, you want to you wanna go with Biden, the middle ground on climate change? What is, what is Joe Biden's signature plan on climate change? One of his top advisors made a million dollars from a natural gas company. He, he's been doing fundraisers with natural gas executives. Joe Biden isn't going to do anything on climate change. For hell, Joe Biden can't even remember President Obama's name. I just retweeted a clip. He forgot Stacey Abrams' name in a speech yesterday. This is the man who's going to save the planet? Um, President Obama, for the most part, been relatively quiet uh, in his post-presidency. Obviously, has spoken out on, on things that are, you know, a direct threat uh, to his legacy. Uh, he has spoken out uh, when Trump uh, repealed DACA. He has spoken up when Trump uh, was trying to repeal Obamacare. But outside of that, um, he's been pretty quiet um, other than, you know, giving mega paid speeches to Wall Street banks, uh, other than signing mammoth book deals and other than becoming like a producer for Netflix. He's doing the usual things you would expect a neoliberal ex-president to do. And God bless him. You know, I don't I don't have a problem with Obama making money. Um, I have a problem with him ever pretending to be a progressive who is going to fundamentally change things in America. But I digress. So this whole time, uh, you and I and I remember because I covered the DNC in 2016. I know Jen. Jen was at the DNC, too, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, we were told you Bernie bros. Time to grow up. Fall in line. There's greater, there's greater troubles. There's greater threats ahead for a potential President Trump. Enough with your purity test. It's time. It's time to fall in line for Queen Hillary. So naturally, one would assume with, with that uh, built-in dynamic that if Bernie Sanders became the nominee, uh, which right now, it's not a short thing, but it's he's in the game, as I've been reporting uh, for the last um, couple of po- couple of shows. He's rising in national polls. He's been rising in uh, Iowa, uh, New Hampshire. He's pretty decent in most of those polls. Nevada, he's pretty decent. He's polling towards the top among Latino voters. Um, obviously, he's crushing everybody else among younger voters. So, Bernie's doing pretty good. Bernie's doing pretty good, but. Apparently, um, it, it came out that Obama, uh, he's not going to stand for Bernie Sanders uh, as the nominee. And will, dare I say, we keep hearing about Russian meddling, uh, he will meddle. Uh, this from Politico. Uh, publicly, Obama has been clear that he won't intervene in the primary for or against a candidate unless he believed there was some egregious attack. I can't even imagine with this field how bad it would have to be for him to say something, uh, a close advisor told Politico. 
Instead, he sees his role as providing guardrails to keep the process from getting too ugly and unite the party when the nominee is clear. Oh, I wonder what those guardrails are. There's just one potential exception. Back when Bernie Sanders seemed like more of a threat than he does now, Obama said privately that if Bernie were running away with the nomination, Obama uh, would speak up to stop him. Asked about that, a spokesperson for Obama pointed out that Obama recently said he would support and campaign for whoever, whoever the Democratic nominee is. So that is not a denial whatsoever that he said that. Um, It's pretty much not, I mean, it's not surprising uh, that he said that. But what it shows, um, what it shows is the complete, not only hypocrisy, but lack of genuine anything of the Democratic Party establishment. So you, if you are a progressive, are to shut up and fall in line for their pro-business, pro-corporate, pro-status quo candidate. But if democracy is not going their way, they keep talking about threats to our democracy from Russia, from from abroad. But if democracy, i.e. if Bernie Sanders is winning, if democracy does not go the way that President Obama wants it to, and when I say President Obama, we're not just talking about President Obama. We're talking about Tom Perez. We're talking about Center for American Progress. We're talking about, you know, the Chamber of Commerce. We're talking about uh, Third Way. Uh, we're talking about, you know, no labels. We're talking about the banks, the oil companies, the pharmaceutical companies. We're talking about the entire neoliberal order. If that democracy does not go their way, President Obama would have to, quote, step in to stop it. Where do you even begin with this? First of all, what President Obama seems to be failing um, to understand, in fairness, in fairness, uh, obviously he does, he, he is polling as, as one of the most popular Democrats in the country. He is a wildly popular ex-president, uh, not among this crowd, but he is, according to the data. But I think what President Obama is failing to understand is, correct me if I'm wrong, not only did Hillary Clinton get rejected, Obamaism was rejected in 2016. Hillary Clinton ran as an extension of Obama, a third term of Obama, and she lost. Yeah, she won the popular vote. Great. We should have the popular vote uh, in this country. I agree, but that's not how it works right now. So she lost. She was running as a third term of Obama and electorally in the Electoral College, Hillary and Obama were rejected. By the way, Hillary, uh, excuse me, Obama is being rejected day to day, despite the lies from CNN, MSNBC and the rest. Medicare for all is more popular than Obamacare. So why Obama, where he gets this delusion, he said it publicly a couple weeks ago, we reported it here, that the country is not revolutionary more than it just wants incremental change. No, 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 no. That's the brainwash programming folks like you have tried to put out there. 
to make people complacent, to make people apathetic, to make people just accept the crumbs from the neoliberal spin doctors like you. So I don't know why Obama thinks if he got involved to, you know, let's say Bernie was running away with it, if he got involved, why that necessarily would be a good thing for the Democratic Party. I actually think it would help Bernie Sanders if Obama got involved and tried to sway him because it's it, first it's a little quiet, but it's getting a little louder. Uh, more and more of the Democratic Party, particularly people under 50, are now openly saying we reject Obamaism. Was Obama better than McCain in 2008? Yeah. Was he better than Romney? Yeah, probably. But people are rejecting that false choice in the first place that we have to consistently accept the lesser of two evils and this shitty dynamic and prism that they keep giving us, which is, well, you have to vote for the neoliberal because you're going to get the warmonger over here or Gordon Gecko over here. But what I find so amazing, how dare you, Obama, how dare you, this is not about, whether, by the way, it's not about whether you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. This is about democracy, if we actually have it. Forget Bernie for a second. How dare these corporate spin doctors be pushing this narrative for the last three and a half years? Oh, God, our, unho- our holy democracy is at stake. Oh, my God, the Russian boogeyman is attacking our holy democracy. Democracy is a precious sacrosanct thing. We can't have foreign or domestic actors meddling in our election. But, you know, if a progressive who wants to raise the minimum wage, provide universal health care, stop the climate crisis, end private prisons, ban fracking, provide a jobs guarantee, if that is the threat to our corporate order, oh yeah, we're going to get involved. Oh, absolutely, we're going to get involved. It's just unbelievable. The political piece went on to say, when it comes to Sanders, uh, a close advisor said whether Obama would really lay himself on the line to prevent a Sanders nomination. I can't really confirm it. He hasn't said that directly to me. The only reason I'm hesitating at all is because, yeah, if Bernie were running away with it, I think maybe we would all have to say something. But I don't think that's likely. It's not happening. Another close Obama friend said, Bernie's not a Democrat. I'm assuming that would be near a tandem. <laughs> Who didn't want to be quoted for the piece. So right there, Obama, his brain trust, if you want to call it that, are openly admitting they don't give a flying fuck about democracy. If he's running away with it, would mean the country has moved far, far to the left of who Barack Obama is, even though he pretended to be something he wasn't. It would mean the neoliberal order is dying, the pro-business consensus is over, and you have to fall in line, sir, if you believe in this whole democracy thing. But they're openly saying they don't believe in that. And that is why I have always said 
They'd rather four more years of Trump, even after that climate report that I just told you. Even after that climate report that I reported. Because I'm willing to compromise, and a lot of you get mad when I say it, but I'm willing to compromise. I'm willing, even though she's not my first choice, I would vote for Warren, personally. You do whatever you want. I personally would vote for her if it came to that, because I don't think this planet could take another four years of Donald Trump. And it's not that I think this planet can't take another four years of Donald Trump. The United Nations report that I started the show with just told you we cannot afford four more years of Donald Trump. Of course, there's the racism, there's the corruption, there's the emoluments clause, there's illegal behavior. Put all that aside for a second, not to minimize the racism, but put it all aside for a second. The planet comes first. So I'm willing to compromise. The Democratic Party is not. Because Obama, by the way, his team would have, would have firmly came out and said, the president never said that. He will support the Democratic nominee. He will support the Democratic nominee, whoever it is. And he's not going to comment uh, on the primary. But they're not saying that. They're not saying that. There's another part of uh, this article that I found super vomit-inducing. And that is uh, Obama uh, on whether he would have ever become a Republican uh, when he was younger. In the United States, Obama said, speaking in the slow and deliberate style that was the basis for comics who mimicked him, there was a time where I might have been a Republican because Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. And at that time, it was the Republican Party that was opposing the expansion of slavery in the United States. Today, it's the Democratic Party that reflects the values that I spoke about at the Mandela lecture yesterday. And that doesn't necessarily mean that will always be the case. It doesn't mean that in every instance I have agreed with the Democratic Party platform. But broadly speaking, when you look at who's been concerned about broad-based economic growth, who's been concerned about civil rights, who has been most supportive in making sure that women are treated fairly in the workplace, who's supported collective bargaining, who has been most concerned with environmental issues, including climate change. Right now, that's happening to be the Democratic Party. And again, that wasn't always the case. There used to be more variation in different ideological views, even within the parties, so you might have more flexibility. Oh, yeah? I mean, granted, the Republican Party obviously does not stand for any of the things he just listed. He, the Republican Party does not stand for any of the things he just listed. But since when has the Democratic Party been fighting for these things so hard? There's a couple. I mean, go down the list. What is he talking about? Uh, Who's been concerned about civil rights? Black men are getting executed all over this country. The Democratic Party, who has control of the House, hasn't done a damn thing about that. Obama did very little when he was president when black men were being mowed down all around America. Civil rights. What did Obama do to curb, uh, to try and bend and shrink discrimination and hiring among black people? A government jobs program for black people who right out of the gate 
are dis- have a, at a disproportionate disadvantage in higher education, in seek getting employment, in what they make. Then you move to collective bargaining. The Democratic Party, read Thomas Frank's great book, Listen Liberal. The Democratic Party is the party that has abandoned the unions. Yes, Ronald Reagan took the first axe uh, to try and do the union, uh, union bashing. But the Democratic Party abandoned unions since dating back to the 1970s. Collective bargaining? Oh, yeah? I'm about to get to this story next. Here, here's what the Democratic Party's idea of collective bargaining is. Here's that blackface governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, who Tom Perez of the DNC, you remember those emails you were getting in 2017? We must elect Ralph Northam as governor of Virginia. This was before it was known that he was doing blackface years before. Yeah, Democratic Party, so great. Northam trying to uphold right to work in Virginia. Not to mention all the other Democratic governors who have basically told unions, including Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, I'm not your ally and have been hostile to unions. The Democratic Party, I don't know what Obama is talking about. He either is delusional, he either is delusional or just intentionally lying. This is not to say that you're better off with the Republican Party. You're not good with either of them. The Democratic Party gives more lip service to these causes than the Republican Party. The Republican Party is open. We're not for civil rights. We're not for collective bargaining. We're not for any of these things. So, I think, I think, this only needs to embolden Bernie Sanders' campaign and his supporters more. Because you're clearly not just up against 17 candidates and now Bloomberg is out there with $30 million that he's flushing down the toilet. You're not just up against MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, all of them. But behind the scenes, Obama is clearly prepared. If Bernie were to win Iowa, let's say, Obama is clearly either directly or indirectly, going to step in to try and derail Bernie Sanders' momentum. And this is why they have never cared about threats to democracy. This is why Russia was always a distraction, was always an excuse, because they don't care about meddling into elections. They care about meddling into the pro-corporate business status quo. And if their candidate that is there to protect and keep that pro-business status quo elevated, if that candidate is threatened, he or she, whether it be by Russia or anybody else, that's when they start crying about unholy attacks on our democracy. Uh, Obviously, Ralph Northam was embroiled in a pretty massive uh, scandal a couple months ago. He refused to resign after it came out that he had donned uh, blackface, uh, I believe it was in college. Uh, But there's also been other quiet uh, terribleness of Ralph Northam that doesn't get attention. 
Uh, Jen and I were in the field and covered uh, last year that he was uh, allowing a fossil fuel company to put a ticking time bomb under the Appalachian Trail. That would be the Mountain Valley Pipeline. He was also allowing uh, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline to put a massive, massive uh, compressor station for a pipeline right on top of a, of a graveyard where freed slaves were buried. Uh, that's your Democratic governor of Virginia. Democratic governor of Virginia. Uh, so he was allowing that environmental racism to happen in, uh, that was in Union Hill, Virginia. And now, even though Virginia was just, uh, just went all blue for the first time in years, Virginia is now Democrats in the House and State Senate. Ralph Northam is bending over for businesses in Virginia. The governor made clear to his Revenue Advisory Council on Monday that he does not support repeal of Virginia's right to work law that forbids compulsory union membership. With Democrats preparing to take complete control of the General Assembly for the first time in more than 25 years, uh, Northam sought to reassure Virginia business leaders that the state won't take a sharp leftward turn on an issue that has long been a political fire alarm in a pro-business state. I can't see, I can't foresee Virginia taking actions that would include repeal of the right to work law, he told the governor's advisory council on revenue estimates. Virginia's right to work law says participation in a union may not be a condition for employment in the state. In 2016, Virginia voters rejected a proposal to to put provisions of the law in the state constitution. The revenue advisory council was preparing a closed-door review of the state's economic and revenue forecast for the next two-year budget, which Northam will introduce on December 17th for action by the new General Assembly in a 60-day session. Northam was flanked on one side by a row of business leaders that included Dominion Energy, which, if you live in Virginia, owns the government of Virginia, and on the other by legislative leaders of a politically transformed assembly. Jones said of Northam's statement, it was a very good move to reassure the engine that's driving our economy. So why I'm bringing up this story, besides the fact that we try to cover stories that other people aren't covering, um, it's not just the federal level we are dealing with. It's not just, uh, you know, Trump. It's not just Biden. It's these fake progressives these sellouts. That's what Ralph Northam is. It's these Chamber of Commerce, big oil funded Republicans. Even with, you know, we are told, we are told, right? If you live in Virginia, if you live in other states like it, we're told we got to get a Democratic House. We got to get a Democratic Senate. If we get full control, then we could really do big things. No, that's not true. Because when Barack Obama had a Democratic House and a Democratic senator, he sold out right out of the gate. He went away from what he proposed during the campaign, which was a public option. And he gave you a Republican health care plan, which, by the way, that Republican health care plan, I have a bill for $557 here. I called the company today. This is for a procedure I had one year ago, which I had health insurance for. And I was told today, oh, uh, yeah, as of December 20." 18, when you had the procedure, your insurance changed. So you might have 
you might have met your deductible for your previous plan, but as of December 1st, you had a, your insurance changed to a new plan and you, that had a new deductible. I said, oh yeah, is it kind of like a nice thing? Don't insurance companies have to tell you when they've changed their plan to another plan and you now have a new deductible? Uh, I was told on the phone, yeah, they're supposed to. Would you like to pay uh, in credit or some other form? So I told them, I'm not giving you $557. I will start a payment plan at $5 a month, which is perfectly within my right legally. They were not happy. Then they tried to negotiate and see, well, can you pay $400 today? I said, no, I could pay you $5 today. This is what we got from Barack Obama. This is what Joe Biden, he wants to preserve our choice. This is what Pete Buttigieg, he wants to preserve our choice. This is what Kamala Harris and all these people, they want to preserve our choice to pay these outlandish payments. Anyway, so, so, Ralph Northam, a Democrat, now has a Democratic House, Democratic Senate. Jen, you're in the super chat. You live next door to Virginia. Are Virginians like booming? Is the economy booming for everybody there? Is this fetishizing and servitude to Dominion Energy, to pro-business? Is it helping the worker bees of Virginia? The, the people working two to three jobs in Virginia? I doubt it. I doubt it. And by the way, I'm talking about Virginia now, but this is happening in other places too, where you have Democratic governors who act like Republicans. I know Jen was going to do a video on this. Tony Evers in Wisconsin. Tony Evers in Wisconsin. We were told we got to get Scott Walker out. By the way, I'm a big fan of getting Scott Walker out of Virginia. In this case, I would take the lesser of two evils just to get Walker out. But the problem is we cannot just accept the Tony Evers of the world who is now pushing in Wisconsin to criminalize protesting pipelines. So it's not just these Republicans in Louisiana trying to criminalize the First Amendment. It's not just these Republicans in North Dakota and South Dakota trying to criminalize water protectors. It's a Democratic governor. I mean, it's outrageous. What is the point of having of vote blue no matter who when you're getting, well, in, in, in Northam's case, you can't even say less racist that versions of Republicans because he donned, donned blackface. He is funded and he is a whole, whole-ended subsidiary of Dominion Energy. Amazon! I, I, I joke when I say, who, who's going to get in next? Um, who's going to get in next? Jeff Bezos going to jump in to the, to the campaign? Uh, protests are, are erupting uh, here in New York uh, uh, because of the horrific conditions. More than 100 pro- protesters rallied Monday night in front of Staten Island's Amazon Fulfillment Center for better working conditions amid reports of high rates of injuries at the Bloomfield facility. The crowd made up of some Amazon workers, politicians, and members of the Teamsters and other local unions make the road New York, make the road New York and New York communities 
for change, chanted such phrases as Amazon, Amazon, you can't hide. We could see your greedy side. Quote, we are happy to be here today in solidarity with Amazon workers on the Monday before Black Friday, the busiest season for these workers. Uh, quote, we are happy to send a message to Amazon during this holiday season that you cannot treat workers like they do. The workers are not cattle. They are not robots. They are human beings. The protesters rallied for about an hour in front of a bus stop on Gulf Avenue adjacent to the Amazon facility before marching to the fulfillment center's main entrance to deliver a petition of 600 signatures for Amazon to provide longer break times and Metro cards for its workers. Earlier Monday, the Advance reported on a study by Make the Road New York and New York Communities for Change that claims Staten Island workers are injured more often than coal miners, waste collection workers, and other laborers. Quote, I was on my 15-minute break where I have to walk seven minutes to the break room when I was trying to snarf down my food, and a manager came in and did a countdown. Four more minutes, three more minutes, who works as a sorter at the facility. I'm out here with all of you. We need to stick together, and we need to speak up because it's not right. Elected officials from Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Queens spoke out against Amazon's working conditions. Quote, I fully support what they are doing here today, said Representative Max Rose. No company, let alone a multi-billion dollar global enterprise, has the right to disrespect people, let alone hardworking Americans who follow the rules like these people have been. These people are suffering injuries as if they are working in a coal mine. We will not stop fighting for them. And this, by the way, comes, uh, a, a report came out, I believe it was in The Atlantic. Let me see. So The Atlantic and the Center for Investigative Reporting came out with this story. Ruthless quotas at Amazon are maiming employees. And this is yesterday. Let me put it in the super chat for you if, if you want to check it out. The I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically the working conditions here are essentially making humans robots. The moment an Amazon customer clicked place your order, a robot would haul one of those racks to a picker who would grab the right item for the order and send it in a series of long conveyors to a packer who would stuff it in one of these familiar smiling cardboard boxes. The clock was always ticking on Amazon's promised delivery time. Dixon had to send a new item every 11 seconds to hit her quota, she said, and Amazon always knew when she didn't. Dixon's scan rate, more than 300 times an hour, thousands of individual products a day, was being tracked constantly. The data flowing to managers in real time, then crunched by a proprietary software called ADAPT. She knew, like the thousands of other workers there, that if she didn't hit her target speed, she would be written up. And if she didn't improve, eventually fired. And this is why I call Amazon the economic Hunger Games. This is unacceptable in the richest country in the world and in a country with supposed workers' rights, which is clearly bullshit. And all you hear, all you hear on CNBC and MSNBC and New York Times is just Jeff Bezos This visionary man gives so much money to philanthropy. Oh, he did the right thing. He raised the minimum wage. This is how they treat slaves. I agree, Jerry. Wow, this is akin to slave labor. You have systems to track workers by the second 
you have managers or whomever on your work break as you're scarfing down food, giving you a countdown to make sure you scarf down that food. This is not a business. This is a workers' camp. Not to mention that Jeff Bezos refuses to pay taxes, personally or for Amazon. It's unbelievable. And you want to talk about why America not only is, uh, has a terrible health care system, but has so many people that require serious health services? Maybe because they're, be work, they're being worked down to the bone, which causes, I'm no doctor, I assume blood pressure problems. I, abru- I, I, I assume anxiety issues. I assume you're not eating healthy if you have six minutes to scarf down your meal. I assume muscular issues, body pain, working that way. And now Jeff Bezos, welcome to, wait for this, wants Amazon to launch its own supermarkets. I'm sure their supermarkets will operate significant, so much differently than their fulfillment systems. And by the way, you know who I blame even more than Jeff Bezos? You and I. Because we are, and I, I, I definitely have gotten from Amazon before. We are basically indirectly and directly saying this is okay. And our convenience and comfort and expediting services makes this okay. And I, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but I am going to make a point to try and not use Amazon going forward. Because your, not you, but people's convenience and getting things quicker and not having to be lazy or whatever, you're, you're experiencing that by basically killing other people. Because this is slowly killing Amazon's workers.